1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection.
2: Dear Young Rocker is more than just a podcast about music. It's a memoir of how it feels to survive high school when you don't fit in and the freeing feeling of picking up a guitar for the first time. It's also advice for anyone who is or was young and has ever felt weird or alone.
0: Dear Young Rocker is written and narrated by me, Chelsea Erson, executive produced by Jake Brennan, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. So, Molly, I have a, uh, a new request for any, any bows out there who might be wishing to court me. Okay.
2: This um, is obviously the forum to air them. Yes.
0: Yes, because I have gotten many a date through this podcast. Lie. <laughs> um, no, when, you know, if he wants to, if he wants to take me out, there's, uh, you know, there's one thing that he's gonna need to start bringing along on, okay. on the first date. Chocolate? No. Flowers. No. Those are both cliche. <laughs> for the for the woman of 2010, you need the man to bring along a worn, dirty
2: undershirt so you can do his laundry. Yeah, that's very modern woman. No way. You. No way. I just want I just want to take a whiff <laughs> of his dirty laundry. Of his dirty
0: laundry see how it smells, and, uh, you know, if I
2: like it, then we can proceed. And if you don't, then that's it. Well, maybe. It depends on who's going to pay. <laughs> oh, but, again, another statement from the modern woman. Zing! Um, I see where you're going with this, Kristen, because it relates to the topic we're going to talk about today, believe it or not, which is whether opposites really attract.
0: Yeah, um... There are all these studies that have been done that have basically concluded that women, um, are attracted to men who have vastly different genes mm-hmm. than they do, which makes sense because we want to, you know, we don't, don't want a bunch of, uh, Inbreeding going on. Right. And there's this specific type of gene complex called the major histocompatibility complex, which has a lot to do with um, forming our immune systems. Mm -hmm. And scientists think that women are innately, well, heterosexual women are innately um, attracted by smell to men who have um, different
2: mch genes right because these form such a large private immune system the thinking goes that women are sniffing out um different immune systems from their own so that they can sort of load their future child up with the best immune system possible because the thinking goes that if you give your child exposure to more immune system genes, they can fight off more diseases later on down the line.
0: Yeah, and these studies were done with uh, men who were asked to wear these undershirts for two days and to not shower or wear deodorant or cologne or anything like that, so we could really absorb their natural musk. Get a whiff. Yeah, and without having seen the men, it would have the, the women come in and sniff the shirts and then rate the attractiveness of the scent.
2: And they always like consistently pick the shirt that smells, that that belongs to the man who has the most different genes. And so it plays a role, obviously, in sexual attraction, but it can also play a role once you get married.
0: Yeah, um, there was a study in 2007 conducted by Christine Gavar Apgar of the University of New Mexico, and she looked at the satisfaction of 48 heterosexual marriages, and she found that the women who had those vastly different MHC genes from their husband were most likely to report sexual satisfaction, and fidelity in their relationship. And building on that, um, there was a correlation of up to 50% less chance of a woman cheating, wanting to cheat, or actually cheating on her husband if they had that different um, genetic makeup.
2: Right, and the women who had gotten married to a man who did have similar MHC genes to themselves... They were much more likely to have either reported thinking about an affair or having one. What? Whoa. So, if you're looking for the key to a happy, non adulterous marriage, maybe get a gene test done. Yeah,
0: because there's actually a, um, in this day and age of online dating, this one company is taking it up um, the next level to combine all those like personality tests that you do with online dating with a cheek swab to sample your genetic makeup.
2: Right. There was this um, article by Charlotte Hunt Gr- Grub, Grub, I'm not sure exactly how you say her name, in the Sunday Times um, in England, and she went through this. She basically got cheek swabs from some guys around her building, and she went on a date with one who had, an. Eight- she was told they'd have an 80% chance of being just great matches because their genes were so different um and in her write-up you kind of get the sense that the guy is a bit of a jerk yeah um he's he's sort of bragging about the fact that the girls like to sleep in his old t-shirt so he he does you know he must give off a good sort of immune system scent um but you know one of the reasons like we said that you would want someone who's a different genetic match than you is for success in child rearing well this guy had had a vasectomy so it's sort of, you know, there are some things that a genetic test cannot tell you.
0: Yeah, because going into this date, she thought it was going to go pretty well because uh, this matching service said that they had an 80% biological compatibility, including a very high symmetry of attraction, high type of interest, and a high probability of a successful pregnancy, which he probably hadn't checked a box saying <laughs> that he'd had a vasectomy except my Change those results, but this was developed by a Croatian geneticist named Tamara Brown, um, who's based in Zurich. And it sounds, it sounds like an interesting proposition. You know, you get all the personality tests, but then you get this other scientific, uh, aspect to it to maybe lock down the that perfect match that everybody is hoping for. But at the same time, this article also talks about how, um, it's kind of questionable putting all of this genetic information about yourself out there because it could be used against you down the line,
2: too. Of course. And I, I don't know if it's the most romantic thing to give a cheek swab when you're doing a dating service, but she does say that, you know, when you go on that first date and you say, oh, there was a spark or there wasn't a spark, she thinks that spark may be related to that whiff of the gene system that you get. So mm-hmm. that's why you'd want to go on a date with someone that you're predestined to, genetically to have this spark with. So that's what they're saying. I mean, she thinks this is the future of online dating is that she wants to build up all these social networks. She's done partnerships with Facebook um, so that if like, you're in London, let's say, all the people in London who have given their cheek swab will um, be available for matching, DNA matching.
0: Yeah, or you could just be like me and, re- and request an old undershirt upon first date.
2: I mean, if someone's willing to give a cheek swab, they're probably... Not unaccustomed to weird requests like that one, Kristen. You know, um, but one thing that might throw
0: all of this out of balance is birth control.
2: Yes. And you know, we have, I think several listeners have sent us this article, um, when we started doing podcasts about birth control and libido and and other things about why you'd want a non-hormonal form of birth control. But they've done some studies where women who take the birth control pill lose this ability to sniff out different gene pools than the ones that they have.
0: Yeah, funnily enough, based on a 2008 British study um, conducted by Craig Roberts found that, interestingly enough, these women who are on the pill, instead of being attracted to the men with the different MHC genes were actually more attracted to men with more similar Mm -hmm. MHC genes. It
2: flip-flop the whole thing. Right. And so, you know, the researchers are thinking that these women are making bad matches when they're on the pill and there's the possibility that once they go off the pill, then all of a sudden that romantic attraction will fade. The love will die because these women will realize once they get a true whiff of the guy that They've made a bad decision.
0: Right. And they think that this might be happening because birth control is essentially tricking the woman's body into thinking that it's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so she is subconsciously going for more of a relative or caregiver type who will be able to take care of her yet-to-be-born. Yet-to-be-conceived. Yet-to-be-conceived uh, Bambino.
2: Right. So that's it's possibly one, one danger of taking a birth control that birth control pill that tricks your body into thinking it's pregnant.
0: Yeah, but all these things, I do think we have to point out, though, all these studies are focused solely on women sniffing out men, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing about, like, on the flip side for, for men or even for, you know, women sniffing
2: out women. Right. That article we were talking about from the, t- from the Times with Dr. Tamara Brown, she eventually wants to come up with the formulation of how to measure this for gay couples. Um, but right now, like you said, all the research is on heterosexual couples and so far the, the, the data suggests that men, you know, if they can sniff this out, don't seem to be affected by it. Yeah. You know, that, that 50%, um, stat that Kristen was talking about, you know, if you've got 50% of the same MHC genes, that woman is 50% more likely to have had an affair, makes no difference with the men. Yeah, we've got to investigate why they cheat. Whole different, whole different podcast. <laughs> but at this point, Molly, since this is solely
0: focused on, you know, heterosexual women sniffing out heterosexual men. I think it would be a good time to maybe, if we really want to answer this general question of whether opposites attract for everybody,
2: mm-hmm. you know, I think it'd be a, a good
0: time to take a more broader view okay. of this issue.
2: Yeah, since all the data on genes is heterosexual, let's just go with like personality traits because you know, you watch movies and you see, you know, the odd couple like Bert and Ernie, like people who are just different making a life together.
0: Right, Molly and uh, and Paula Abdul even recorded a. 1989 hit about this very topic, and I think you printed out some of the lyrics. I certainly which did. Which you have been looking forward to sharing for quite a
2: while. You know, this is one a music video that is burned onto my retinas, because if you haven't seen the music video, like, stop listening to this podcast right now and go to YouTube and watch it.
0: Probably I've never seen it. You haven't seen it? No.
2: All right, I'll describe it for you. Okay. It's Paula Abdul dancing with an animated cat.
0: Oh, I have seen it. Okay.
2: Of course you have. Everyone's seen this. And um, it's all about the romance between her and the cat. And as she says, opposites attract. Now, here are some of the things they don't have they, you know, that they're different on. Um, one person likes the movies and the other likes TV. You like the movies and I like TV. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is the 80s. That might have been a big difference back then. Go ahead. <laughs> um, one party goes to bed early, one likes to party all night.
1: I go to bed.
2: could get awkward. Um, she makes the bed. He steals the covers.
1: She makes the bed. And he steals
2: the covers. <laughs> like most cats do. <laughs> cats are so crazy. The cat also likes to smoke, whereas Paula Abdul does not like cigarettes.
1: I don't like cigarettes. I like to smoke.
2: <laughs> but when they get together, they have nothing but fun. I mean, how could you not have fun with a cover-stealing-smoking cat? <laughs> I mean, that is a question for the ages, mm-hmm. Kristen, a question for the ages. And I don't think that sentence has ever been said before. But, you know, uh,
0: Paula Abdul, I think, might have been a little off the mark with Scat Cat.
2: Apparently, yeah, no no study can prove the accuracy of Paula Abdul lyrics as of yet. Um, the thing is, is even though we tend to want someone who balances out maybe what we consider our worst traits like let's say that i'm really anxious so i want someone who's really calm all the time um or vice versa if i'm really calm and i want someone who can like pump me up even though we say that's what we want it turns out that is not what we actually end up seeking out in this big old dating world
0: Yeah, uh, there was a 2003 study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in which respondents ranked um, how important certain traits were in a romantic partner. And then they rated the extent to which they thought that they exhibited those specific traits. Mm -hmm. So the study found that basically the traits that they wanted, they also rated themselves high on. For instance, if you wanted financial stability, in a partner, you were more likely to have more money. Mm-hmm. Or if you wanted someone who was real fun, you probably thought that you were a hot tamale as well.
2: Right. And if you didn't consider yourself very close with your family, then you didn't care if the potential partner was very close with their family. Basically, people were seeking, you know, mirror images of themselves. I think that makes sense. I think that, you know, we seek out people who can justify all the beliefs and things we've put into our lives.
0: And a 2009 study of online daters confirmed this as well. Like, people went through and, like, checked off all of these opposite traits that they want. But at the end of the day, they ended up dating people who were more similar to themselves.
2: Right. But they're saying that, like, you know, these personality traits, the neuroticism, if you're an extrovert or an introvert, anxiety, that's more important just than the um, outer, you know, outer sort of attitude things like, oh, we both like cars. Yeah. Or we both like tattoos. Yeah. Like you can, it's more important that your personalities are the same in terms of finding a match, is what these studies are saying, than actually, you know, looking alike. You know, you can still be Jack Spratt who could eat no fat and his wife who could eat no lean. Mm-hmm. As long as you were both sort of the same level of ext- extroverts.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: So basically, when it comes to whether opposites attract, we want their gene pools to be completely opposite. Mm-hmm. But for personality, you're probably going to stick pretty close to what you already have. Cause you got to jive with someone, you know. You got to build a life. Yeah. Relationship. But what I'm betting, Kristen, is that we've got a ton of listeners who think that they're in sort of a opposites attract kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And if you are, we want to hear from you. How are you different from your partner? How are you the same? Tell us your love stories.
0: Yeah, and... Uh, I feel like sling Dion all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also curious if uh, anyone was specifically attracted to uh, the person they're with because of their scent. <laughs> just, I'm just wondering. And if you have uh, any other musings about love and attraction, please send them our way at momstuffathowstuffworks.com. And speaking of which, let's do some Lister Mail.
2: Okay, Kristen, this is one that you definitely must read. Okay. Oh, all right, all
0: right. This comes from Heather, and she is, the subject line is homeschooling. Now I see why you wanted me to read this. Um, she said, I just wanted to say that making jokes is one of the best part of being a through K-12 homeschool graduate. I mean, there's so much humor in it. Plus, it's a great way to deal with the negative stereotypes that I think every thinking person knows are just stereotypes. It's always fun to do the homeschool high five for others, a.k.a. hitting your own hands together because there's no one else in your class to high five or telling people that you are in the top of your class and voted most likely to become president, etc. Also, I personally think the word dork should be really looked into. I would consider myself a proud dork and I'm always confused why people think this is a problem. So thank you, Heather. Um, you know, I
2: actually had not heard of the homeschool high five before, but that didn't mean she didn't try it and, and demonstrate it for me. Yep. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Heather, for, for um, that that joke that I lolled at. <laughs> <laughs> LOL, as the kids say. Yes. All right. This one is from Leah, and she wrote about the episode on how we'll have children in the future. And, um, you know, in the very title, it says, How Will We Have Children? Uh-huh. And she's all like, Who is this we? Here's what she writes. I wanted to encourage you to remind listeners about the terribly unequal access women have to quality basic medical care in the U.S. and around the world. It strikes me that the kinds of expensive and elective procedures you discussed in the podcast will only be available to a very select group of wealthy couples or individuals. That means, among other things, that poor families who have children the old-fashioned way will be the ones who bear the financial and emotional costs of genetic illnesses, while wealthy families won't experience these burdens. They can sort of buy their way out. This could potentially have unfortunate social consequences, resulting in ever more stratification between haves and have-nots. On the other hand, families or individuals who can't afford the genetic... Manipulation or testing you discuss will continue to have greater levels of genetic variation resulting in overall healthier offspring. So there we go. That's Good from point. Leah. Well, folks, thank you for all of your
0: emails. Keep them coming. Uh, Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com and during the week, if you'd like to head over to our blog, it's called How To Stuff and we tell you how to do stuff. And if you want to read the forthcoming stellar article by our very own Molly Edmonds called Do Opposites Really Attract? You should definitely head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more Works?
1: Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live and stream anytime.